Well, shit to bed, everybody, and welcome to Conversates with Shelby Green. This is episode 50. I cannot believe we are 50 episodes in, y'all. <clears throat> as I clear my throat, finally get over that damn cold I've had for about two weeks as I hit my microphone. I apologize for that. First off, before I get anything, swig of a strawberry refresher, light water, and heavy berries for the working man. Uh, girlfriend got me hooked on these damn things. God, they're so good. So... Let's give a heads up. First off, I want to announce that in the month of May, this is the most downloaded episode downloads I've had in this month of May in the history of the show. I appreciate you guys. We are at 78 downloads this morning. Hopefully, I'd love to hit uh, I would love to hit at least, you know, 84, 85 by the end of the month. Um, obviously, I'm not going to get to 100, but we are getting we are getting to a trend where it's going to be really, really good, man. And it's, um, I'm very, very happy with things are going. I'm just, I'm ecstatic. Uh, to be quite frank, I am appalled at the support I've gotten from you guys. And I really, really appreciate it. NDRBI has done wonders with my, with my sponsorship. They've done a great job of helping out with that. I am just thrilled to be part of a program. And yes, I am looking forward to helping sponsor more and more programs as well. I would love to sponsor anybody that's out there, anybody, as long as it's a clean organization or anything. I would love to be a sponsor of anything. I would sponsor anything, guys, for anybody. So just let me know. If you want to, if you are serious about having me sponsor anything, email me at greenshelby0310 at gmail.com. And I will high I will. Be in, we can sit down and talk a little bit and we can get this thing rock and rolling about me helping you sponsor something. So I am down for that. Now, I will be clarify, clarify that um, we talked a little bit about last week's show a little bit. I, I talked a little bit about just it lied a lot what was on my mind last week. Didn't really have a topic, just mixed a bunch of things together. And, and this is going to be the similar thing. For this week's episode, before I get into this, this week's episode, I want to talk about next week's shows. As anybody knows, in the world of professional wrestling, we have two big shows next week. The WWE is Night of Champions is going to be in Saudi Arabia. Two of their planned Saudi shows every year they have. And uh, they have a hell of a card. I'm not going to run the card down, but the card looks pretty good. But also, the big show of the weekend, everybody knows, is AEW's biggest show. All Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I have some updates for you guys. So, usually, I've always said that Virgil Patton will always be the guy I do the WWE shows with. He he is a guy that I enjoy having on the show. Great guy. uh, Very fond of him. But I've also been in talks with a buddy of mine. If anybody knows a guy named Price Johnson, a.k.a. Trip, I used to do an old podcast way back last year that fell out. Didn't work out because of scheduling. But Price will be on the show next week as well to talk double or nothing with me as well. And Price and I, it ain't going to be like me and Virgil. Virgil and I agree. We don't disagree much, but we do agree. However, Price and I have different personalities on wrestling. I'm more old school. He's more new school. So you'll get a good balance of that. Now... I really, really uh, am fond of that upcoming week. And I haven't made an announcement of what shows will be first, but I know one thing. You will get a show Wednesday and Saturday next week of, of that. It will be a two episodes next week. 
cranking them out, baby. Just cranking them out. So before I get into uh, all the topics I want to talk about today, well, there's one thing that came to my mind this morning. I'm laying in bed with my main squeeze, the love of my life, this morning. She takes little man to school so she can spend a little time with him. And because uh, her schedule's her schedule's been hell lately, so is mine. So she went and took him to school this morning. <clears throat> and uh, I'm sitting here laying in bed. She goes, "Hey, baby, you hear about the new trend in TikTok on TikTok?" I'm like, "No. Men don't like wiping their ass because they think it's gay." Okay, I thought she was lying through her teeth. I said, there ain't bullshit. You're full of shit. You're lying about this. She goes, no, I'm not. And she showed me the videos. I'm like, what the fuck? So let me get this right. Men really don't wipe their ass because they consider her gay. What the f- What the fuck? I, I am appalled at the stupidity. You're literally not penetrating your assholes when you're wiping your ass. If you don't know how to wipe your ass, you got a problem. Let's just be honest. If you don't know how to wipe your ass, you, you have a problem. Like, seriously. My God. that that That's just grody. I wipe my ass. I wash my ass and I wipe my ass. Uh-uh-uh. That is just fucking nasty. Plain and simple. That's fucking grody. Y'all are fucking trifling. Like, seriously, this is going to be a little semi-red, but that is fucking nasty. How in the hell are y'all... I'm going to be out here talking about grown men. I don't wipe my ass because I consider her gay. What the fuck? Uh, I, I don't know what's wrong. Y'all, uh, what the fuck? Oh, my God. I just, I just, I just cannot fathom how ridiculous it is of a trend. Grown men don't wipe their ass because they believe it's gay. First off, it, it, I, I just I'm just at a loss of I've never been lost of words in my life. I'm just I'm just a lost of words. I am literally a lost of words. Grown men don't wipe their ass. So, yeah. So I've been hearing the rumors about the Flash film as I segue into that so effectively. God Almighty. So basically, early screen rumors have screening rumors have came out about the Flash. I've seen a lot of positive reviews online, non-spoilers. My buddy J-Bone's coming on for that. I can't wait for that, J-Bone, who, if you go back in the archives, episode three, the Batman review, Jared was with me. Not the best episode, but he is on there. More high-quality episodes are coming now. But my boy J-Bone is on the program. He will be here, and I fucking can't wait. So Jared and I were talking about our expectations for The Flash, and I'm reading a lot of good things online, and I read something, and what I read this morning, I am ecstatic for no post credit scenes for The Flash have been leaked online so far. I don't think there are. And I, what I read was there are no post credit scenes. I like that. We don't need post credit scenes. Lock this shit up. We don't need to do that. Just keep it rocking and rolling. And just keep it rolling, man. Plain and simple. I'm excited for it. And um, it's a new era of DC. I've talked before. If you go back to my episode, I can't remember the number, but the title was Chapter One. You, the the episode title was Chapter One. You say it was it was on the James Gunn thing with DC, and Gunn did a hell of a has done a hell of a job in my opinion with this so far, planning what he wants to do, and I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it, and I'm ecstatic. So getting to some sad news today. Um, massive wrestling fan that I am. I'm a historian of it. 
And I got to talk about the passing of superstar Billy Graham, not the preacher. So um, anybody knows Wayne Coleman was his birth name, but he was known to the wrestling world as superstar Billy Graham. Um, trend center, icon, um, 20 years too soon. A lot of things you can say about Billy Graham. Um, Billy Graham got his name in professional wrestling from the Graham brothers. The Graham brothers back in the 50s and 60s were a, a legendary tag team from that era that had a guy, uh, two guys, Dr. Jerry Graham and Eddie Graham. Dr. Jerry Graham was a controversial figure in the world of professional wrestling, had a, a lot of problems. And then you had, um, <clears throat> you had, um, what's his name? Um, oh, uh, Eddie Graham was a world famous promoter in, uh, with back in the days of professional wrestling in um, in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, with uh, actually the '70s and '80s with um, the Florida Territory, Eddie Graham was a really, really popular figure in the NWA, and uh, that's how Billy got started. Um, we all know the history. If you anybody knows the history of superstar Billy Graham, from one point from 1977 to 1978, Billy Graham was the number one box office attraction in professional wrestling. He was the number one guy um, to, to uh, encounter. I thought about doing, I actually really thought about doing a whole episode on Billy, but I just didn't want to, I I didn't think he would click with some people. I mean, some wrestling fans are haters. I'm like, yeah, we would love to hear it. But my audience, I the audience trying to be, I want to get masses of people. I just don't want to stick to one niche audience. <clears throat> and Billy was a, was a really, really big figure in wrestling. Um, he did a lot of things. Billy had a lot of, um, um, I mean, you go back and look at Billy Graham. He was really the first magnificent body in wrestling. I mean, you see guys and wrestlers on TV today, they're in shape and whatever. Billy Graham is, we know what Billy's talked about. He abused steroids. But Billy had a body that you could dream of. I mean, the guy was in the, he did what, he was a former bodybuilder. I mean, he did train with Arnold Schwarzenegger, so that's pretty damn cool. I mean, he did train with the Terminator. There's photos of that. But Billy was a uh, was six foot four, two hundred seventy five, eighty pounds. He was he was ripped. He was jacked. I mean, but you go back and look at pictures of him. I mean, he was just fucking a physical. Just he's just amazing. And of course, hip abuse and steroids it, it ruined his body. I mean, it ruined him. He had a lot of bone. He had a lot of uh, his bones were deteriorating. He had his ankle problems. He had back problems. I mean, he lost four inches of height by the time he was in his mid-40s because of the steroid abuse. He lost four inches of height because his back just collapsed on him. His spine collapsed. I mean, he had a lot of problems with steroids. And uh, But besides that, I want to talk about Billy. Billy got his break in the AWA in the early 70s working with guys like Wahoo McDaniel, Vern Gagne, guys like that. And, of course, he, what Billy is known for, two things he's known for, he defeated Bruno San Martino for the WWWF world title in 1977 in Baltimore, Maryland. And for people that want to know, yes, the WWWF became the WWF, which is now World Wrestling Entertainment WWE. Back in the back in the uh, 1963, <clears throat> give a track around. Back in 1963, Vincent J. McMahon, Vince Senior, the the father of Vincent Kenny McMahon, Vince Junior, now. Um, broke away from the National Wrestling Alliance to start and basically went with his own went with his own way and created his own world champion in 1963. 
the, and became the WWWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Let's take a drink of this refresher real quick. Game Barry got in the way. And basically, as I knock this fucking strawberry down, hold up. And basically, um, <clears throat> um, his first guy in 1963, he put the belt on was Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, a very controversial figure in wrestling. One of the, the this the original Nature Boy, not Ric Flair or Buddy Landale. The original Nature Boy was Buddy Rogers. You go back and look at the footage. Buddy was that guy, and then of course Buddy held the title for a little bit <clears throat> until he dropped it to Bruno San Martino, who became. Everybody knows Bruno is Bruno became a god in New York City, and um, Bruno held the, the world his and Bruno's first world title reign was seven years before he dropped to dive and Cole off. Um, basically, if you go back and look at the time, back in the early days of when the when the WWW when the WWE was a territory back back 50, 60 years ago. They had the Northeast market, which was New York, all New York, Boston, uh, all Massachusetts, basically, Baltimore, parts of Maryland, but mainly Baltimore and Salisbury. They also had uh, Pennsylvania. They had basically Maine, Rhode Island, all those Northeast towns they had, and they had the big markets. Well, New York City was had a lot of ethnic groups. Bruno was obviously Italian. And uh, when he, he lost the world title uh, to Ivan Koloff in Madison Square Garden, <clears throat> you know, Koloff was a white man, but he portrayed a Russian. And Koloff, the reason why Bruno lost the title was Bruno wanted to get the belt off because he held it for seven years. He was having some injuries and, you know, he, he wanted to take some time off. And if you know, if you go back in the history, I mean, seven-year world title reigns is pretty damn impressive. You don't see that. You don't see that anymore. You'll never see that again. I mean, Bruno was the money that Bruno San Martino drew at that time is incredible. I mean, he went in 2013 when he got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. They had the ceremony at Madison Square Garden, and he sold the mat. He and he was the headliner that night, and he sold the garden out. He, he he sold the garden out. I think I believe he holds the record for the. I think he, he, if he doesn't hold the record, he's gotta be in the top three to five of the most sellouts in the history of Madison Square Garden. Bruno Bruno was a god. I mean, Bruno was a god in um, in New York City. But as I get back, he drops the belt to Ivan Koloff, who then I think maybe two weeks later, maybe not that long, loses the belt to. Um, to Pedro Morales, who was Puerto Rican, who was Pedro had a help. And actually, I'm gonna pull the title reigns up real quick for you guys. So So Let me pull this up. So So basically Buddy Rogers was the first champion. He held it for 36 days. And then Bruno won it on May. He, uh, Rogers won the first title on April 11th. He was first crowned champion on April 11th, 1963. He held the title for 36 days. And then, of course, Bruno won it in New York City. 
and he held the title for 2,803 days. Ivan Koloff then won it, and Bruno won that on May 17, 1963, and then on January 18, 1971, Ivan Koloff won it, <clears throat> won it, and held it for 21 days, and then Pedro Morales won it on February 8, 1971, and held it for a thousand days, uh, for a thousand days, and then he then lost title to Sean State to Stan Stasiak in Philadelphia, who held it for nine days. Before I get into why Stasiak held it in nine days. Pedro had the belt for a while, and back in the day, professional wrestling had a stigma of it if it was real or not. But fans, fans loved their good guys, especially up in the Northeast. Fans loved their ethnic baby faces. I mean, like I said, Bruno was Italian, Pedro was a uh, Pedro was Puerto Rican. So he they had the the market up there was big, but not only that, they had a lot of uh, they had a lot of ethnic um, gimmicks up there, you know. Uh, Spirius Oridon was a was Greek. Uh, Tony Greer was Italian. Um, try and name some more names off. Chief J. Strombo, even though he really wasn't uh, an Indian, but he was portrayed as an Indian. So they, they had a lot of guys up there that you won't hear. A lot of old-timers that <clears throat> nobody knows about, knows history on, but they had a lot of ethnic groups. But Pedro um, was big. I mean, the reason why the belt was taken off of him was because they were having too many damn riots. I mean, he had, there's a famous story in the Boston Garden. Pedro Morales was wrestling Blackjack Mulligan, a famous wrestler, the grandfather of Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt. Um, Blackjack uh, was wrestling the father of Barry Windham and, and Kendall Windham. Um, Blackjack Mulligan was wrestling uh, Pedro. In the Boston Garden, the old the old Boston Garden, the old arena, and they had a riot. They got they had some issues in the match. They had a riot, basically, which is common back then. Have riots, and basically, Blackjack was getting back to the dressing room with cops escorts, and he and something happened with a fan, and a fat a fan stabbed uh, Blackjack Mulligan in the leg. And you know wrestlers, and this is common. You go back and look at history. Wrestlers used to get used to get spit on and hit on, and there was, I mean, there was a lot of nasty things happen. I mean, there's well documents of wrestlers being shot at, being 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 hurt by weapons, stabbed by a knife. I mean, I just told you the story there, but basically what happened. He got back to the dressing room that night, and he had a little bit of wound, but he went to the doctor, got sewed up, nothing big. The next day, he got up. And Blackjack couldn't move his leg, and he had green pus come out of his leg. Basically, he was rushed to the emergency room that night, and they found out that the the, uh, the knife had been soaked in pig fat. And it, his it, and Blackjack nearly lost his leg, but he nearly he basically almost lost his leg and almost lost his life that night from that from that incident. And that's when Vince Senior decided that he had to get the belt off Pedro because they're having too many issues. Now he held the belt for two years. He dropped the belt to Stan Stasiak, and then nine days later, after Stasiak won it, plain and simple, Bruno San Martino won it. Bruno got the belt, and that was Bruno was had another run, and Bruno got it in 1973, and he didn't drop the title till Superstar Billy Graham, and Bruno had a four-year run or three-year run, so basically ten, basically over ten years period of that World Championship, Bruno had had it. So that's how over and popular. Bruno was. But now we're caught up with Billy Graham on this situation. Billy held the title for 296 days. He did drop the title to Bob Backlund on February 20, 1978. But what I want to get into with this was back then, if you read my right, if you read this, 
Buddy Rogers had a reign for 36 days. Bruno and Ivan Koloff had a run for 21 days. Stan Stasiak had a run for nine days. Plain and simple, guys, if you look at it, bad guys or heels, as they call them in wrestling, did not get long title runs. New York was basically a babyface, which means good guy in wrestling terms territory, that kind of kept things on, like they kept things, like they, they always, the, the old philosophy back then, there were three major world championships in wrestling back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s until the early 90s. There was the WWF, WWF World Championship. There was the NWA World Title, which is still around. It's not as popular as it used to be, but it is still a world title. And an organization that is not existing no more, the AWA, the American Wrestling Association, which was based out of Minnesota. The NWA is mainly based in the South. So, basically, there were, if you held one of those world championships, you were considered somebody special. And for, you know, I mean, Ric Flair was, you know, the, the belt that Ric Flair is known for, the big gold belt, that is the, that is the incarnation of the NWA world title. That is what that is. Um, the AWA world title was very prestigious. Well, Nick Bockwinkel, Vern Gagne, I mean, the Crusher, a lot of guys, Kurt Henning, Jerry Lawler, Stan ha- Stan Hansen, Rick Martel, a lot of Hall of Fame guys I know uh, are known for holding that belt. But the WWF title, a lot of the NWA World Champions were were bad guys. A lot of them were heels. Your Harley Races, your Dory Funk Juniors, your Terry Funks, Gene Kanitsky. Um, yeah, Flair was Rick Flair was a bad guy. New York, the WWF, WWF territory was mainly like I just said. Their bad guys didn't have, they had titles, but they would quickly get stri- switched over to another babyface. So, plain and simple, when Superstar got that title, it was, he was, Vince Sr. told him when he was going to win the belt and when he was going to lose the belt to Bob Backlund on February 20th, 1978. So, basically, if you go back and look, <clears throat> if you go back and look at that that run superstar had as a bad guy, he out nineteen out of twenty Madison Square Garden shows he headlined, he sold them out for a bad guy that was unheard of. He set records at the old Philadelphia Spectrum. He set records at the old Boston Garden, the old Providence Civic Center. He sold that out. The, the old Igloo, the Pittsburgh Civic Center, that place, the Igloo in Pittsburgh, that place was sold out. Um, Baltimore, the Baltimore Arena, when he beat Bruno for the world title, that was a sellout, one of the largest gates they ever had in Baltimore at that point. Washington, D.C. at the Capitol Center, the old Capitol Center, which is now a mall, I believe, in D.C., that old building, he hold, I mean, he every boy he went to, he sold out. Plain and simple, Billy Graham was the number one box office structure. I mean, there was... I mean, the, the first ever title unification bout that ever happened between these federations, the NWA and the WWF had a a show, a unification bout that took place in the old Orange Bowl in Miami, which was between Billy Graham, which was the WWF champion, and Harley Racing NBA world champion. That was the first unification bout that ever happened. So Billy broke barriers with that. Um, 
And he was, I mean, you go back and look at Billy Graham. He was the first cool bad guy. Like, Buddy Rogers was cool, but he wasn't like Billy Graham. Billy Graham came out. He had the Grand Wizard, Ernie Roth, as his manager. And you go back and listen to Billy Graham's promos. I would I would play you for some, but I want to keep this podcast rolling because I am on a time crunch today. Billy had, he had the gift of gab, as they say. A lot of guys copied his style. And I'll just name a few wrestlers off that minute. Dusty Rhodes. Copied a lot of us, superstar Billy Graham. Dusty is considered the greatest talker in the history of the business, professional wrestling. Hulk Hogan. I mean, my God, Hogan told the story about when Billy was working in the uh, the Florida Territory because Hogan grew up Hogan grew up in uh, <clears throat> in Tampa. Um, Hogan was kind of a big guy, and he was breaking in the business. He sat in the audience, and he he never saw Billy Graham. And Billy got up on the ring post and he flexed his arms and he looked right at Hogan. He saw him in the audience. And that's when Hogan Hogan turned his dad and said, I won't be just like that guy. And Hogan really became him. Jesse Ventura. I mean, Jesse has talked emphatically that he ripped Superstar off. He ripped him off. And Scott Steiner stole the... Uh, and when Scott Steiner broke away from his brother and turned or turned on his brother Rick, the goatee look, that blonde goatee look, that was Rick. That was that was from Superstar in his later days when he had the goatee. Um, but getting to it, the biggest thing about Superstar was the whole ripping the T-shirt thing. Superstar did that. It wasn't Hogan. The ear cuff thing where Hogan would do it to the crowd. Superstar did that. Hogan didn't. The famous tie-dye tights, the long tie-dye tights that you see nowadays on wrestlers. Superstar was the first one to do that. <clears throat> The uh, the frequent boas that Jesse Ventura and Hogan used to wear the ring, they weren't the first. Billy was that. The only buddy and the only thing Billy Graham said he ripped off on was he the way he talked his promos. He talked a little bit. He wa- used to watch Muhammad Ali and he took a little bit of Ali and put it into his. And you know, you go back and look at some of those old footage of him talking. There's a famous promo he cuts <clears throat> that. Um, that he uh, in Madison Square Garden before world before his, his it was his first world title match in the Garden against it was against Ivan Putsky, and it's on the WW it's on the WWE Network it's on Peacock you can find it. He gets up to the ring and Vince McMahon Jr. was the commentary and he is inter- commentary and he is interviewing he's interviewing Superstar and Superstar has an old has an Arizona State shirt on which he's from Phoenix. And he comes up and he cuts this promo about how he runs nine hours a day and he's just raving it. He's just going on. And he takes his shirt off and he flexes his arms and it's just his traps and his arms. Oh, I forgot to mention this. The uh, the term, remember Hogan you say the 24-inch pythons, brother? Superstar was saying I had 22-inch pythons back in the 70s. So Hogan stole that again. I mean, Billy Graham, I can look up Billy Graham quotes for you. I mean, I'm going to look these up real quick for you guys because uh, I want to celebrate a guy's life because this guy me and the reason why I'm so passionate about wrestling is because I am a huge fan of history and I feel like these guys uh, these guys deserve the credit the old timers deserve it I mean I'm just going to read you some plates I'm going to read you some of these uh, these quotes from uh, Billy Graham I lift bell bar plates. I eat T-bone steaks. I'm sweeting the German a German chocolate cake and a jock chocolate cake. How much more of me can you take? I am the reflection of perfection, the number one selection. I am the sensation of the nation, the number one creation. 
This is what the world waits for. The world out there asks, what superstar going to wear next? Not who am I going to whip next? But what in the world is superstar going to wear? And I've got a million letters saying, superstar, would you please lay some yellow on me, daddy? <laughs> I am the man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour. Stole that from Ali, but he made it. Marilyn listen this one. Marilyn Monroe looks her best when she's sitting on superstar's chest. And he had a, he had a Marilyn Monroe shirt on when he said that. I am the women's pet, the men's regret. What you see is what you get, and what you don't see is better yet. What are you going to do when the superstar comes down on you? What are you going to do when Hulkamir runs wild on you? Don't that sound similar, y'all? I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. There is nobody as beautiful or as powerful as me. That is, Those were the quotes he was known for. And that's what he would come up with, that quick rap. Like, that dude was doing raps raps or poetry back when, before hip-hop was even thought of. I mean, hip-hop was probably thought of in the 70s, but it wasn't brought to the forefront. But he was the first one. I mean, Paul Heyman has talked about as a kid. Billy Graham was the reason why he got into professional wrestling. You listen, look at look all on Twitter, and look at all the guys that talked about Billy Graham. The Bully Rays, Bubba Ray Dudley. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hogan, Ventura, all these guys talked about Superstar. And it, it was just, people loved him. I mean, and you know, you know, we're going to talk about what happened with Billy Graham. And, you know, there was always that rumor. Vince Sr. always stuck by his word. He believed in the All-American boy. He wanted to have Bob Backlund as his world champion as All-American boy. The, I mean, Billy Graham was setting records left and right. We all, everybody, anybody that knows the history knows it. He kept his word, and Billy dropped the title to Bob Backlund. He dropped the belt to Bob Backlund, and everybody knows what happened. The issue that everybody has said now that, in my opinion, and Jim Cornette has talked about this on his podcast, that Vince Sr. made a mistake, in his opinion, Billy should have kept that world title a lot longer. And to be honest with you, Billy Graham, if you listen, if you go back and watch, there's a documentary on Peacock called uh, Superstar Billy Graham, 20 Years Too Soon. They did a do- WWE did a documentary. I please recommend you go watch this documentary. Give it a chance. It's about an hour and 20 minutes long. Give it a chance. And they talk about Vince Jr. was talking about, like, he tried to convince his dad, like, let's turn Superstar Babyface. He won it because Vince saw the merchandise and the, he, I mean, his wheels were turning. If he saw what Billy Graham could have been. Billy could have been a huge, huge... Billy was the number one box office attraction in the business as a bad guy. You imagine he was a baby face? My God. But obviously, no. Billy talked about, um, you know, when he lost that title, he was he dealt with depression, got heavy in the drugs because he didn't understand. You know, he understood Vince kept his word, but he didn't understand why Vince wouldn't turn him babyface at least. At least give him a babyface run. And then, of course, we all know during that world title reign and after that, Billy is known for his famous feud with Dusty Rhodes. He had those three big matches in the garden, which were sellouts. Um, when he wrestled, and there's that fame, I think it's on, he had a world title match with, with Dusty. He had the Texas Bull Rope match and a Texas Death match with Dusty. And then you go back, there's a famous store, there's a famous match with him and Superstar, the Bull Rope match. The Texas Death match was good, but the Bull Rope match. Back in those days in the Northeast, you didn't, in the Northeast Territory, the WWF, you didn't see matches like that. Down South, you saw them all the time. You saw bloodbaths. You go back and watch that match, that cow, I mean, the Texas bull rope match is basically where you get a bull rope, 
you get you make it to where they can put a wrist, uh, like a wrist like a, a tape wrist on it with a type around your wrist and they got a cowbell in the middle of it and your job is to beat each other up as much as you can till somebody gets the first fall and you go back and watch that match there's a famous I think Dusty got the win that night but I I, I got to go back and watch it you might be able to find it on YouTube or Peacock there's a f- thing where Billy, that both guys are bleeding and they, I mean, they're bloody, they're beaten up, and Billy Graham grabs that damn cowboy to match, and Billy's got, you know, Billy didn't have a lot of hair, it was slicked back, it was thin, and he's bleeding from his face, and he's sitting there, he's shaking that cowbell in front of the camera, and he's cutting a promo, and he's, his arms are jacked, I mean, it was just, oh, you get goosebumps thinking about it. And, you know, Billy, after that, he disappeared and went back to Phoenix and got hooked on drugs, and he came back in the he came back in the early '80s with a karate gimmick. He shaved his head and grew a mustache. He 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 took got away from this old superstar gimmick. <clears throat> then he went and worked down some NWA territories. <clears throat> so I cleared my voice, and, um, and then eventually he came back to the superstar gimmick and became a got back in that. And by the late '80s, he came back to the WWF, had a run and. By that time, he, he was just he, injuries, man. He couldn't go anymore. He was beat up, and it is what it is. And he retired in, I think, 1988, 87. He finally walked away from the business. So you think about that. 87, 88, he walks away from the business. But just a decade before that, he was the number one box office attraction in wrestling. And it's just it's crazy. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, um, Billy, I got to talk about this because people are going to bring it up. Billy has had his issues with Vince and the company over years. I mean, you go back and watch the steroids trial. He tried to extort money from Vince during the trials because uh, he was bitter that Vince had to let him go. Because Vince had him on the payroll for a long time and he eventually had to let him go. He just he didn't have a spot for him. And, <clears throat> and of course, you know, everybody knows what happened. Um, Billy begged for forgiveness for years. He never got it. And then there's a before the documentary came out, 04, he the WW, um, WWE came to SummerSlam, went to host the SummerSlam in Phoenix, and Superstar was invited. And he came backstage, and there's footage of him and Vince embracing, and all the old, all the guys walking up, shaking hands with him. I mean, and then later that year, the following a couple months later at WrestleMania 20, he was inducted in the Hall of Fame. Um, and then, of course, Billy over the years, has, he, he comes off, he came off very old and bitter about things, unfortunately. Um, but he was a great interview. Uh, a lot of his shooting interviews I liked, but he had a lot of this stain for a lot of things, unfortunately. And it sucks what happened with Billy because um, it, 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 it came to be a... Um, it just came to be a very, very hard time for how much he fallen. I mean, he got sick real bad, had a lot of health issues. You didn't have a lot of money. Um, one of the things about the, the whole, this whole thing with hospitals and wrestlers, they don't have a lot of medical insurance. They don't, they have money, but they don't have a lot of insurance per se. And unfortunately, Billy suffered from that. That's why I've always said wrestlers need a union for medical bills or something as much. They, yes, they make money, but man, they get taxed hard just like any professional athlete, but they're not making, they're on TV, but they're not making millions upon millions of dollars. They're making good salaries, more salaries than I am or you are, whoever you are listening to this probably. But I'm just saying like in general, and I think maybe it's time that somebody somewhere starts something up, but I don't know. In closing, 
My condolences to superstar Billy Graham. He is a legend, and he will continue to live on in my mind. And I hope every nostalgia wrestling fan out there, if you if you are just a casual fan of wrestling, or you are a fan of wrestling, and you want to figure out what I'm talking about with superstar Billy Graham, please, please do. Please check it out. Now in closing, guys, we're going to wrap this up real quick, a little rapid fire. So <clears throat> thoughts on the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals. Plain and simple, guys. I was wrong about both of them. I was flat out wrong. Um, I thought Denver and the Lakers would go six games, and obviously it didn't. It went four. LeBron James had a pretty good series, I thought. I mean, game four, he came out and did everything he had to do. I just think the Lakers are one or two guys away. I think Denver was just a better team, and it is what it is. Um, good luck to the Joker uh, and that crew of guys in the NBA Finals. Do I think LeBron James should retire? I think he should talk, think about it, consider it, man. I mean, he's 20 years in the game. I mean, what else do you have to prove, dude? You're one, you're the greatest, one of the greatest to ever do this, in my opinion. You're number, you're on the Mount Rushmore of basketball. One of the greatest athletes the sports ever seen. And I, the day he retires, it'll be a sad day for me because I've watched him for his entire career, and it is what it is, man. So, <clears throat> what the Eastern Conference Finals? Boy, oh boy. You want to talk about getting an ass kicked? I don't understand this. Do the Boston Celtics have any heart? Does Jason Taylor and Jalen Brown, those guys, have any heart? Because Jimmy Butler and Miami Heat are just, they just snatched their souls from their body. Just bring that soul to me. It just, it amazes me the ass beating that they, they got in game three. And I think tonight, it, I'm recording this on a Tuesday and obviously it'll be dropping on a Wednesday. I think tonight we're going to get a sweep. So. NBA Finals preview, it's obviously going to be Miami and Denver. I think it's a six, seven-game series. I think Denver wins. I think they just got too much. But I think Miami's toughness is going to steal some games. I think it's going to be a really good series. As much as I want Jimmy Butler to get a, a, get a ring, I just think Denver has too much. So I'm rolling with Denver. You want to talk about a little bit about that Louisville basketball class, uh, recruiting class that just got finished? Want to talk about what Kenny Payne did? So as everybody knows me, I've been on, dealt with Louisville basketball my whole life, and I have always, I have always been a huge fan of, of them, and I always will be. Last year, I got a lot of bullshit, 4-28, people on Twitter losing their mind, Kenny Payne should be fired, even though he, he only been on the job for basically a year, hadn't really had a full year. And yesterday, the roster has been filled, and plain and simple, Eight new guys are coming to the University of The roster has been flipped. Five-star Trent Flowers. Five-star Dennis Evans. I'm sorry, five-star um, forward Trent Flowers. Five-star center big man Devin Evans. Four-star Caleb Glenn, KG. The uh, <clears throat> uh, Curtis Williams. <clears throat> Four-star best player in the state of Michigan. Also, Caleb Glenn, second-best player in the state of Indiana. Dennis Evans, the best, the second-best player in the state of California. And Trent Flyers, best player in the state of North Carolina. Juco Karan Davis from Gary, Indiana. <clears throat> Hard commits yesterday. <clears throat> Tyler Johnson committed four-star, the number one player in the state of New York, point guard. And also the three transfers he brought in. Trey White, Daniel Chompins, I can't say his name, and Sky Clark. Kenny Payne has done a fantastic job with reflipping this roster and getting it back to where it needs to be. 
And I am ecstatic for Louisville basketball. I'm ecstatic with what Jeff Brom has done with football. The two main sports of, of Louisville, the main sources of that city, are about to be back on where it needs to be. I think Kenny Payne has a roster. Somebody tweeted that this roster could be a top 25 team in the country. Talent-wise, it's there. It's there. And I'm excited to see what they do. I cannot wait. I am, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to go to Louisville Live this year. I can't wait to go to the scrimmage this year. I am just ecstatic what they're about to do. That being said, guys, I'm going to close the show and just let you know, this is Mental Health Awareness Month, the final couple weeks in the stretch. As a big component of somebody who takes medicine for anxiety and depression, as someone who struggles with it every day, it is okay to admit you have a problem. It is okay to go see somebody and talk to somebody. If you're in a place that you feel like you're something you're going to do harm to yourself, or if you're going to be in a situation where you are you can't you you feel like something's going to happen, I beg of you, call somebody, reach out to somebody, because it's not going to save your life, but it can maybe maybe somebody knows about your story and they it can save somebody else's life. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And just remember one thing as I close this show. I don't bullshit and I tell it like it is. Straight up, have a good one, y'all.